It's time for the Daily Review, a podcast dedicated to reviews and discussion of TV, movies, and books. Look for us at Daily Review on Facebook and Twitter and dailyreview.com on the web. That's D-A-L-E-Y review.com. This is Paul Daly here with my wife, Caroline. Hey, guys. And today we're here to discuss the sixth episode of the third season of USA's Colony. This one is called Emerald City. Do you think there's a double meaning there? Oh, I definitely think there's a double meaning. I I do want to say, God, I can't believe it's like the sixth episode. In some way, it feels like we should be like so much further along. Like if you said it was like the 10th episode, you wouldn't shock me. But then at the same time, I'm like... I, I don't know. It just feels like so much has happened. You know, we're still reeling from our last episode with Charlie that I I just can't even I can't really place myself in this season right now. I'm having a hard time, Paul. You having a hard time still? Having a this, Charlie? This Charlie, episode uh, was was like everybody trying to move on and no one really being able to. <laughs> right. Well, does that include you, Paul? Do you are you having a hard time moving on? Well, we got to talk to Charlie the other night, so that's true. That really rubs some salve on my wounds. <laughs> yeah. If you guys didn't hear it, it's on so many shows.com. You can listen. We um right after the show, we got a chance to talk with Jacob Buster, who plays Charlie, and also Peter Jacobson, who plays Proxy Snyder. So if you guys want to check that out and listen, I thought that Jacob's explanation for why Charlie was the logical person to be the one that, to get killed and also how he personally was dealing with it was a refreshing and soothing way to think of it. So I encourage you guys to go check it out. He gave very logical story reasons. Yeah. And like a mature outlook on like, you know, circle of life kind of feeling that makes you feel like, okay, maybe we will be all right. If something happens in our own family, I think I'm going to call Jacob to help me deal (laughs) with anything. So let's hit those double meanings for Emerald City. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, obviously we have the Wizard of Oz, right? We've got our whole like, you know. See, I was thinking... Obviously, we have Seattle. Ah, uh, that's funny. But yeah, so we have Emerald City is the nickname for Seattle, and Emerald City is the place where everybody's trying to get to in The Wizard of Oz, which is, I think the double meaning is probably having to do with something isn't as it seems, just I, the yes. same as in Wizard of Oz. I think 100% that, yes. And and that, like, you know, if you think that you can find all the answers and, and be um, satisfied once you get there, you are probably going to be disappointed. It's probably at least going to have a twist on how you thought those answers were going to be gotten. Let's start with the cold opening where we get to meet Wayne Brady's character for the first time this season. So excited to have him as part of the cast. He's always a great character, no matter what he's been in. He is an example of a comedic actor playing a dramatic role. And if you have ever paid much attention to this phenomenon where a comedic actor takes on a dramatic role, say with with like Bob Odenkirk in Better Call Saul or Michael McKean in Better Call Saul. Yeah. um, They are known for comedy. Bob's a great writer. Mike was Spinal Tap. So I mean, and Lenny and Lenny and other, he was on SNL for a year. I mean, these are funny guys, but when it comes to drama, something about their, I don't know if it's their timing or, or if it's their training or just the professionalism, but they make great dramatic actors. I'm going to go with timing because I feel like it's so important to understand when to step in and when when to let the, you know, the scene play out a little bit. And I, I really feel like it's timing. That That's my read on it. We only get a little exposure to Wayne in this episode, but... 
it turns out he is hugely important to how this new world is turning out. He is actually the person who developed the algorithm that they're applying on apparently every human on the face of the earth. Yeah, he's like the rap sorting hat. Yeah, exactly. Like, sit down. You're like, Gryffindor! <laughs> right? Just like that. Slytherin! It's totally like that. Only it's like, proxy! Like that. You know what? That's probably a terrible impersonation of the sorting hat. I can't remember what the sorting hat's voice He doesn't like. sound like that at he's all. Like, you are Gryffindor. Is it something like that? He has sort of a... You I do. Would say What's a, your impression of the sorting hat? He has sort of a like? smoker's voice. Oh, was it sorting uh, let me hear. He, let's see if I can do it. He's like, well, you're more of a Slytherin. That kind of, I like that kind that. of voice. Nice. So not so much that like commandant voice I was just doing. No, no. He was nicer hat than that. Poor Wayne, though. His actual character name is... Everett Kynes. Everett Kynes. And so Mr. Kynes is really unhappy with how they're actually utilizing his algorithm, which really raises some questions. His disappointment with the way that it's being applied leads him to start asking his underlings some questions about, well, can they download this and store that and start separating a little bit from what is going on officially? What's interesting about this character is that he shows a huge potential for going anti-establishment, which is crazy because he would have been one of the first ones contacted in this scenario. Right. I like where you're going with that because I think it brings in this whole idea of they were trying to determine what type of person each person is, right? Like and their what, potential. What, right. But just because, like, say you're a great leader, that doesn't mean that we actually want you in our authority. Because what we actually want in our transitional authority is people who are followers. I don't really want a true leader because if I have a true leader, they're going to ask questions. They're going to have their own ideas. You know, they're going to they're going to want to step in. And I'm going to really want to fill my place with people who are much more likely to say skilled. Yes, sir. Yeah. yeah. And just go along with it. And so I felt like what I was gleaning from Mr. Kind's sort of upset nature about the whole thing was that I think he thought like if you came up on the score as a leader, then you should be in a leadership role. You know, that's what mm. I was sort of gathering. And or, it was if sort you, of more, or if you answered or if the you, questions like a slug, like the guy right. who was in the in the interview room that we got to see. Then in that case, you don't belong in it. Right. <laughs> right and they right. accepted him. So, I, I mean, part of that kind of stuff makes me wonder if, you know, in that question, like you could tell, like with that man, if he said, you know, would you would you like bend the rules and stuff for a former fiance? To me, what it was sort of interesting was that now they have that on him in a way that's like, no, now we want to put you in a position of a power because then that way we can basically yank your strings anytime we want. Like now we know what you'll do. Yeah. You know, it's a little like the, like the, you know, the interaction of would you sleep with me for $5, you know, kind of business. And right. It's like, yeah. You know, I know I didn't tell that joke, right? You guys, it's like, but would you sleep with me for a million dollars? Yes. Would you sleep with me for $5? No. Who do you, what kind of person do you think I am? And then you say, I already know what kind of person you are. We're just, Settling, negotiating the, settling price, the details. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a little like that, like a little like we've already figured you out now. Now we can put you in a place where we can yank your strings. And Mr. Kynes plays a very important role, especially now he's going to have the whole human race collated and sorted out here. Whoa. Yep. 
Yeah. Wow. Big, I, big job. He stands to be. So where do you expect? Now, we don't see him for the rest of this episode. We No, we don't. So where do, where do you expect that he is going to come into play here? Would you think he's going to pop up in Emerald City? Will he be the wizard? I think, yeah, I think he's going to have something to do with Seattle because that's where we're at. There's only There's only half the season left to go. I don't think there's too many more stops um, that we can make, especially with one of the kids being hurt. Well, let's get over to the Bowman family and talk about them a little bit. You guys know they're absolutely shell-shocked from Charlie's sad, tragic demise. And now they have this wounded Gracie. It's a little unclear. I guess she she managed to break her arm when she fell. Yeah. And, um, and now they're very concerned that she is getting an infection and possibly... Septic. They do a pretty good job making sure that every time they take off that bandage, it oh. noticeably looks worse. Good night, Irene. More red, more yeah. bloody, more icky. It looked really pretty gruesome by the last couple bandage changes there. You know, Bram's got the push for like, let's get to Seattle. Katie does the huge of playing the middleman of like, well, we're all tired. Let's not talk about this now. Yeah. You know, that kind of business. Um, Definitely Will is just over everything. He's seems like he's ready to check out i'm pretty concerned for his character he just keeps driving them for instance in the opening scenes with us with the bowmans they find a house that's abandoned that has some shit in it that they can use like food and And clothes and it's warm and and it's getting to be evening and he's like well we're burning daylight and then they they keep heading north where So they're stuck camping under a bridge. Yeah. I, You guys, if it was us, and we're just going to speak from very inexperienced uh, apocalyptic times, but we're going to go ahead and, and cop a squat in the clean, you know, dry, relatively safe home rather than make our kid go sleep out in the woods. You know, in theory, there's like toilet paper and like all <laughs> kinds of just, you know, niceties, niceties right. right? That you don't necessarily get other places like I would say under a bridge. So I think I would have, you know, just tried to like everybody clip your nails. Why don't we see if we could wash our hair? You know, just some little odds and ends here. That's All that stuff. how I maintain our world. Camping, uh, this, uh, I don't know. But what do you think about Will himself? I agree with you that he is like driving the fam, but I mean, his face when they're walking on the highway, his the way that they changed his hair now to where it's like really pulled down in the front and the kind of thing where a man maybe has been scratching or or gra- you know how they how you guys do that thing when you're like really <laughs> thinking really hard or whatever and you do that thing where you're like rubbing your head you know that thing I don't do that that much but men seem to do it all the time seems to have pulled his bangs <laughs> down so it's not like pulled back like he doesn't look like Mike Vogel from the the brave right now right now no, he's, he's like a mess. all like pulled forward you know yeah he looks old and looks like a mess he looks old <laughs> Exhausted, perhaps, yeah, and and grieving, certainly. I think he's desperate. I think he is overwhelmed with what just happened. This is not by the script, you know, according to to the way he had things kind of planned out. He kind of, I bet he feels like he was harangued into, into going to the last place, harangued to try to leave it again, and then... Charlie dies. And so all they can do is just keep pushing forward. And he's the guy to, to stand behind them, or in this case, in front of them, um, dragging them along to they don't know what. Um, so I would say desperate is, is how I would describe old Will in this episode. I agree. And, and I do feel like you can see that part of his heart is 
it's just broken, you know? Yeah. Just broken. So let's talk about Katie for a second, because I don't feel like we're seeing the same type of response out of her. Not exactly. She is like you said, she's her main job right now is Gracie. Although I think we mostly see Will tending to the bandages, the changing of the bandages, whereas Katie is mostly holding her, walking with her, making sure she's still on two feet kind of stuff. Yeah. And definitely, I mean, I understand that because I think that you and I have definitely put on a brave front. Um, and there's times when we have sort of switched out, like one of us is more bedraggled than the other. And that actually kind of bolsters the other one to be a little bit more, come on, guys, let's let's keep going. Let's keep finding stuff, you know, yeah. and and you'll say, you know, mom, mom's mom needs our extra help right now or i'll say you know dad dad needs a little bit of time so let's all everybody help so you know well we will kind of do that she really is between a rock and a hard place with a lot of this this decision making right now because i mean obviously with gracie being so sick i mean she looked awful by the end pale sick right but then barely awake you have will saying i don't want to go to seattle really so like it's like uh, once you're in a colony it's pretty freaking hard to get back out. I know. It's not a weird thing. Like, you're welcome to join, but you can't ever leave. It's very Hotel California, no? <laughs> right. Except this one's in Seattle. So, right. It's a different song. Yeah. Hotel Seattle? Hotel Seattle. Yeah. It wouldn't even be, it would be like a youth hostel, Seattle. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That seems more right. We've been there. It'd be an Airbnb. An Airbnb. At, at, really? Yes. Yes. Completely. Or, or like a tiny house. We just rent okay, a tiny house. Yeah, exactly. A tiny house. Would, that would be right. Okay. So what did you think about this car scene and this other family? What was up here? He played it by the, by the numbers, I think. I mean, your daughter is looking like she's going to die. Your son did just die. And so you've got a gun. They don't. It's it's math in in dad's minds. I would say. I don't know that we'll find a lot more other dads out there that would say, "Well, I fair's fair. They had their car. I, I'll let I'd let them go. Sacrifice my kid for them." I don't think so. And I kind of saw it happening as it was happening, right? Where the family's like, "Well, you know, we can take her, but." not the mom and all these other things. And it was like, well, actually your car does have room for four. If you look at it another way, you guys empty it out. Is, do you agree with Will's action? I think that he tried every which way possible. I mean, he asked them so many different ways. Could we do it this way? Could we do it that way? Could my wife go? Could you, could, could your, could your bigger kids stay with us? Could we do it? I mean, I really think he exhausted every possibility. If he had just walked up and put a gun to the guy's head and said, everyone get out. It would have been... Oh, right. He didn't want to no, do this no. this way. Which was important, though, because I think that in these these types of shows, whether it's Walking Dead or this or Handmaid's Tale or Colony or right, Colony right. or... Season 8, Rick Grimes, shoot first. Right. Or wherever you're at, wherever you're... Wherever the family or the, or the character is at, it's important to have those like touch-based moments where you're like... Is he willing to just blow someone away at this point? Or is he like still trying to be a human, still trying to make it work, you know, for everybody, beneficial for everyone? And he's still at that stage, which is an important, you know, part of mm-hmm. recognizing where our characters are. Like Bram, on the other hand, like, do you think he's in that place? Like, he seems like he'd be the kind of guy who would have just put the gun right to his head and been like, get out of the car. Bram's more of a loose cannon in my mind in, in that regard. Yeah, I think you're right. He. He is more prone to rash decisions, I think, uh, that, but he is also a kid. So 
that's how they operate normally. But it wasn't up to Bram. It was Will found the gun in the house. Was that his only bullet? Because they showed him messing around with the cartridge a couple times. I saw. I thought I saw. Mm, I want to. I don't have it in my notes, but I want to say that there was two bullets. Oh, okay. two bullets. I think so. He had one to shoot up in the air as the warning shot, and then we knew that he still. I believed he still had a second bullet in the chamber. Like it was. We as viewers could know it was possible. And then, and given the nature of the show previous, and watching like McGregor just like blow Vincent in the head and stuff like that, then it wouldn't have been insane to see that happen. Although I don't believe we've seen a Bowman behave quite like that. At least not the parents, right? Uh, I'd have to go back and search the bat computer because I'm sure that they have needed to hold guns on people that they would rather not have. And Will, when he is in combat mode, he does not aim to disable. He aims to kill every time, you know? But this wasn't that. This was scare these poor people into giving us their car. So different, different situation. Going back to that discussion about under sleeping under the bridge. Yeah. Will separates himself because he's starting to to have the feels, right? Yeah. All of them. And that's when he starts fiddling around with the gun again. And he dozes off and the walkers come. He assesses that they're being herded north by the walkers what do you think is is happening here where this colony maybe this is too big a question at this point but this colony has we've seen humans that are operating with a little more autonomy than they did in la you know in terms it, of it seems to be yes they seem to be like they're being taken care of a little bit more like humanely just like you know yeah a little bit like normally like how you would expect now like more refugee-esque but yeah. you know not like prisoner-esque you know and then you've got rap machinery uh-huh. going along with it saying yes go that direction that's the way we want you to go we don't want you just loitering around here <laughs> so i wonder why they care like why would a walker be hurting people that way or or were they specifically hurting the bowman family that way or like why would they right. give a hoot like what's the motivation for this machinery to encourage you to go anywhere unless it's being driven by humans unless there's some part of this that mm. is a human element right or that, somebody from earth who wants something i'm i'm not totally against the idea that seattle isn't Something totally different um, and it's being totally different includes things like having humans running the place with wraps under them, perhaps. I mean, that'd be crazy, but there's got to be some reason why there's so much more. I mean, there's pamphlets telling you to go to Seattle. There's people willingly leaving stocked homes like the house that they stopped at had, yeah, had giant, enough like, stuff gone to Seattle, spray right. painted on the side. Right. Exactly. I, I really want to see what's happening in, in Seattle. I sure hope it's okay, but you know, nothing in this show <laughs> turns out to be okay. I don't have high hopes for the Bowman's being in a safe place. Yeah. But let's talk about that Walker for a second. Like, so I'm, I'm serious. I asked a very direct question. What would be a motivation of a Walker? Why a walker? Who is manning that walker? Why would a walker care if humans are just laying around in the woods? Who would they even give a hoot? If what Snyder told us is accurate, then the walkers are not being directed by rap artificial intelligence balls. They're operating under their own, you know, set of directives and autonomy. So they're being ordered to do that rather than just blasting them. So maybe it's like a, it's like a 
a radius kind of thing because, you know, Broussard and, and Dispatch were definitely not getting herded by those walkers at the pharmacy, right? That's true. Right. Absolutely true. Huh. It's just, it's a curiosity. I wonder why in the world they would be interested in collecting us up. I I wonder if, again, you know, didn't, didn't we determine that Broussard has sort of the same standing with the aliens yeah. as Will? And so then it's like, you would kind of expect that the walkers might have just stopped in front of Broussard and we would have been given the same type of treatment as Will has been showing in this season that we've seen previously. So I don't know. It's I, I, I'm scratching my head about that. Listeners, you guys, if you guys have an idea of like, what do you think? Why would the walkers be motivated to herd anybody anywhere when we've seen walkers previously just blow people away? What What are they doing? What is this? What is this? I don't Perhaps. Perhaps, you know, with the time shift of the Broussard storyline. Yeah. Well, this doesn't add up. But the Snyder story from this episode tells us that we that the um, labor shortage that we were told about post factory obliteration is worse than they've let on. You know, maybe the the policies of wasting people changes midstream you know, that are that are outside the walls. Possibly that's it. Anyhow, we do get to Seattle. The car doesn't make us all, doesn't take us all the way there, but we do get there. Did you at, at all think that the Dalton name was going to fool anybody? No, and I was a little confused why they bothered with all of that, I guess, because, and Katie certainly looked shocked, you know, when he said it, because it, it, you know, for all that walking and everything, it seemed like they didn't have much of a plan. There's no sharing time. It didn't seem like it. And so, I mean, you think you would talk to, you know, it's only Bram and Katie really to be talking to at this point. I mean, mm -hmm. there's, there's no children to really convince of anything. So it just seemed like I. Well, if you do have this semi-conscious girl yeah. and then she wakes up and they're like, hey, sweetie, what's your name? <laughs> the it the just, whole thing's gone. Well, I just don't even know. And I thought he kind of, I thought they had kind of decided like, we're not going to do that anymore. Like, we're not going to be other people. Remember all that stuff? It's almost like he kind of decided uh, it, it was like a weird default setting. Yeah. Like, you know, like, well, we had to try. <laughs> like he just went back to that and, and just decided to lie about it. And, you know, quickly they pulled Will into interrogation and that didn't go, you know, anywhere that you could see the screen. They had all the information, which again leads me to believe that this is being led by Mr. Kynes, because I believe that this is the situation that he is he is heading this up. And that's why they would have a computer with all of this stuff at the refugee level camp. Because we haven't seen that Kynesian algorithm machine elsewhere except for here, you know, and that note of dissension that I picked up from Kynes in the opening scene does give me a little bit of hope that maybe his involvement here is why there's some autonomy. Maybe there's not all just bad shit that can happen here. If the idea that he's actually possibly even in charge, the wizard <laughs> mm -hmm. in this in this case, that would be why they're applying the algorithm just at the, the gates like they are. You know what I mean? Whereas in L.A., they're just blowing people away. Right. I mean, I think it's interesting. I, I don't know what it's going to be used for, but it would be interesting if the algorithm was being used properly and then they were putting people who had leadership qualities in leadership positions instead of, you know, putting people who could be controlled in those positions, then wouldn't they be creating a much stronger 
you know, grouping there mm-hmm. than, you know, going up against the transitional authority or, or anyone else for that matter. So, I mean, thankfully, we get the news that Gracie pulled through and, you know, it looks like she's going to be OK. She's just going to need meds for a while. So that's good. We have we don't lose a second Bowman kid right now. The lingering Ziggy cloud over Seattle is obviously what Dispatch was saying about it being something having to do with a biological weapon being developed there or used there or something. So, mm. but with her time shift element, again, we're not quite sure. We're right? not quite sure when they even talked about that, found out about that in relationship to the Bowman's being there. Good so. call. Good call. And that time shift thing is going to continue to be a little bit of a, like a, hmm, I, I don't know. I don't, I, when it happened, you know, when they found the shoe, I was like, wait, what? Yeah. You know, like I was not ready for this time shift thing. And now that we have to continue to think about that, I'm like, oh boy, this is going to get a little wonky for me about who knew what, when, right? Mm-hmm. I hope they give us some good little Road clue maps, markers, yeah, some milestones, something along the way to be able to, to note. So let's move over to old proxy because he has a completely different outcome post camp. Yes, he he's done well for himself. He has huh? a Julian, Paul. He has, he has a, Julian. a Julian. He has, I don't know if that's an Aston Martin or something, but it looks like a six-digit car in, in the driveway. Amazing, amazing. And Helena's back. Woo! Well, this is where Helena's been. Excited to see her on the show, though. We haven't seen her at all. So right. I'm so happy to have her back in action. There was just that one little bit where where we saw her with the factory explosion. But yeah, now with her being a neighbor, she might be over for tea all the time. In this episode, she was over several times. Why she was there was to convince him to go back to work. Did you ever think that he was actually either A, going to just stay out of active proxying or B, be allowed to stay inactive. I thought B. I thought there is no way he's going to be allowed to make this choice. Like maybe they're going to be kind of kid gloves with him at first. Be like, all right, you know, get get a break, whatever. But the more that he said, no, 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 they would try to coerce him. But at some point, someone would just say, you're kind of misunderstanding. We were all just being polite. Yeah. You need to put on your suit and get ready to work because like this wasn't actually optional. There's no way with the resources and the everything that's going on in the whole world that they are just going to let him sit around and do nothing. There's right. just no, it's no. just not the way it's going to work. Yeah, that's that's, that's not where the I, was, I was leaning. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So this dinner party was pretty interesting. Yeah, dude. I don't know if you want to be called out to everyone as being like the best double agent around. I was really surprised that they actually said that out loud, to be honest with you. Like it felt a little bit like, well. <laughs> right. How, how's a player supposed to play? How you- is a player supposed to play <laughs> if you just call them out like that? Like, uh, I don't know. I, I was surprised. I really thought that there would be some amount of understanding that in order to ever, ever have him back into play, you can't be so obvious with all this. But in that audience, apparently those are the right words because he was very popular after that, wouldn't very you say? Very popular, especially with the ladies. Yes, he, he found a fan. I was really surprised and a little like cheering for him that he woke up with a lady in his bed. Her Were name you? is Elon, if I if I matched the face to the name. Okay. my I have a little 
worry about her. Mm, you should always worry about these women who sleep with the guy from the cocktail party who's just been called a double agent and all this. She's looking for trouble, Paul. Well, before before they commence with the proceedings, she has a lot of questions that were kind of detail-y about how things went down in the camp, right? She wanted to know everything. That seems, I don't know, dangerous. Like like she's double checking you or 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 something. Like she's doesn't her motivations are not just like curiosity, I don't think. What did you think? The way that she said something like he says, Well, what do you want to know? And she says, Whatever you'll tell me, or something like that. Yeah. Some some way that she worded it, it did come off a little bit like um I, I don't know, a little like she had her own spy work that she was up to, you yeah, know? Yeah, that's what I felt. So I and it was that specific wording, you know, that we just felt a little like, okay, all right. She might, I mean, not that we've seen Snyder be like a big time romantic player. Although when we first met him, he had bimbos on his arms, right? Oh. Uh, but did he remind me? Yeah, there were there were women at his house when he when he brought Will over. Um, they were having a party watching oh like God. the transmission thing. I didn't remember. Oh, oh, that's right. When they went up to go look at the art or whatever in the bedroom. Yeah. That's right. He was like a player. Yeah. Oh my God. So soon I forget when we're back off in the cabin trying to make the French toast. I forget. <laughs> so why that's all important about his past love shenanigans and tonight's rendezvous is that although this woman may think that she's being tricky with him, I don't know. I don't know that you pull one over on Snyder. Right. And so it, she was the regent from North Africa. So she wasn't just like a total like hanger on her. She is an actual government official as well. So there's that. There's that. There's but, something I mean, more here. The dude uh, is he's just I mean, he's played everything pretty well this whole time. Yeah. So the big turning point that I felt like from just enjoying himself, kicking back and just sort of uh, enjoying the the reaping what he sowed, right? Yes. Was when he went through and, and looked at that IGA incident report and, and, and saw Charles Bowman and realized basically like, this all has to be worth something. I can't just let this all just sort of fizzle out in a way. All all the work and everything that came from the camp, I got to keep pushing to make sure that it matters. Did you read it any differently? I like that, but I would combine it with, and I've got to keep my mind busy or I'm just going to think about Charlie all the time. I like that too. Yeah. So, I mean, definitely Proxy has that side of him where, you know, he he does feel like man, you know, this should not have happened to this, especially to this boy. I mean, forget whomever else, you know, he wants to equate that to, but he knew that little guy. I like how Proxy decided that the way he was going to get back into action was by taking a little of what Helena said and the, you know, we're trying to get these two other votes. Yeah. And then creating his own bust up plan. To an extent, this is very unsnidery, isn't it? To not not the part where he he uh stabs these people in the back, but the part where his strategy seems to be just to Kick the hornet's nest and see how it works out. He's, I don't know that that's how he normally operates. I think that he's feeling pretty invincible and that's pretty much what he says. You know, like, yes, it was kicking the hornet's nest in front of all those people, certainly. Mm -hmm. However, like he said, you know, who's going to question the hero at this point? 
you know? And so he, I think he's realizing that his cachet is his hero status right now. And, and it's only, it's fleeting. Which Helena sold. Right. To and, the, to the group. And it's, and it's got an expiration date because someone else is going to come along behind him and do something, you know, and not too long. So if he doesn't cash in on it now yeah. and do whatever he can with it, he's going to be yesterday's news very soon. But it probably cost those two guys their lives. I would think it cost them something, certainly. But Helena, not very happy with him on how he handled this. And, I wonder, because I was kind of looking forward to Helena Proxy, you know, coupling up here. I hope that Proxy doesn't sort of burn bridges where he shouldn't, you know, with Very Helena possible. specifically. I mean, this was pretty reckless. And the way he explained it was not the kind of explanation that people would be like, oh, you know, I never looked at it that way. It's interesting you're using the word reckless because I don't know. I don't think I would use that word. I would say it was extremely assertive and aggressive even. But I mean, there was no part of it that like wasn't going to work out. She, she wanted to keep those guys, right? As votes, right. She definitely wanted to keep it, them. Because they plan on rendering or renditioning. I don't know the right. I think rendering, yeah. Present tense verb there. Their, their colonies, but they were going to repopulate them. I don't know how. They, maybe that's what Seattle is. Maybe Seattle is a repopulation Like they're going to just, oh, maybe because that's. Are you saying like they're going to take them and then determine which colony to put them back into? Potentially. That makes good sense. I like that because remember, that was a big thing. We've got to figure out where where you would best fit in. Remember that whole conversation or, over and over? Or they've been renditioned and now they've got to collect the, the stragglers back into the back into the colony. Okay. Uh, I'm not, okay. I'm listening. I'm listening. I like the idea that it, they are a redistribution point. Yes. Because that's where it would be like. That'd be crazy to go back to like the LA yeah. area after all that. Where, yeah. Wherever you're. Uh, but that's, but that's where you get that twist of the Emerald city. It looks so exciting and great. And like how Bram's like, they have food, they have clothes, they have medicine. Everything's wonderful here. But if the next episode is turns out they're just redistributing back out to the colonies you're going to be in the same exact situation we were only one one brother less mm -hmm. you know it, it it quickly falls apart well and their argument wasn't dumb either i mean they're actually probably closer to a mindset of proxy snyder when he was proxy of la which was we don't want a factory in our in our area which is what i guess they're being asked to do is put factories in their blocks right. and they're and they're basically resisting. Right. That's the vote that is at is at stake here. I don't know. I mean the last factory got blown away and just left with a crater. Right. And I mean and obviously I think that you're right like how proxy would in general try to protect his block for as long as possible. You mm -hmm. know, and and he did, and that's basically what these guys are doing. Like, I don't want to vote for us to be put under rendition if if we can avoid it and do it in a different way. Let's do it in a different way. You know. Yeah, you're right, but he was just over it. Like he's uh, part <laughs> of this stuff too is like the amount you've experienced. If those guys are still back, like you said, in the same seat that Proxy was when he was making bacon in the in the Bowman's kitchen and walking around with, with the, you know, bimbos at the art show, then in all honesty, what motivation do they have? They haven't been out there. They haven't been living out in a cabin. They haven't seen what the resistance camps are like. Like they don't have any motivation to change 
their lives. No. You know, they're they're sitting fat and happy in a green zone somewhere. So that's kind of the point of it. And Snyder's just like over it. And he's not going to have people sitting around, you know, drinking their brandy anymore. And he's looking at the picture of Charles Bowman. You know, that's not those two things are not happening anymore. That action, though, it made me wonder if <laughs> this is going to sound crazy, but if he was actually trying to hurt the occupation by just doing something so as you say aggressive within its own ranks okay if he's just like hacking and slashing at support and and people as a way of acting out against the whole thing interesting i could go with that and especially the idea that he could turn around and be like well you wanted things to move along didn't you isn't that what you wanted is that what you want you know that kind of thing yeah like yeah i i agree with you that's kind of where i was at with the helena relationship part and i don't even mean it has to be romantic but i think that's that she sees it as that too she sees it as that like you're slashing and hacking at a a a system that's already in place and we don't need you to come in here and do that, you know? And, you know, I understand his response of basically like, "Mm, yeah, you do. Cause your system wasn't, you know, providing any results. You were complaining at me about it. So very interesting. Very interesting. I look forward to, I believe seeing Mr. Kynes show up in Seattle. I believe that, that at least will, I believe will be made aware. Do you think of the, of the fact that there is a computer screen sort of something about him? Like we've chosen you based on this and that or whatever, or what do you think? I think they'll, they'll be found out next episode. Oh, they were already found out in this episode. Yeah. Right. I know. But I mean, they'll be made aware that they've been found out next episode from there, whether that means you're in trouble or if that means so we it's it'll be like LA all over again. We want this the Will Bowman skills put to use. You know what I mean? That seems kind of more likely than the you're in trouble scenario. How what that means though is up to what Seattle's ultimate purpose is. Is it a redistribution area or do people actually get to live there? We haven't seen yet because we've only seen the the camps part. Do you have any 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 suspicions about what we might see next week, Bowman related? Because Snyder's I, easier to sort out. I think Snyder's going to keep doing the kind of shit that he did this yeah, episode. I think that we're going to have to have a pause and deal with Charlie's death in some way. I could mm. see that happening in the next episode because we just, you know, put our heads down and ran to Seattle for Gracie. And now that Gracie's okay and stable, I think that the Charlie's death is going to come right to the surface. And whether that's going to be a combination of pointing fingers at each other between Bram and Katie and Will, or whether it'll just be Katie and Will trying to grapple with it, I'm not sure. But I do think that it would be remiss if the show did not have a moment because this whole thing was very much built from the beginning on this idea of the stress placed on the husband and wife when a child was was missing, you know, yeah. I mean, so much of it was built on that premise that to just kind of blow past it at this point that now he's dead is like, no, I don't that wouldn't be true to these characters at all. And and you've set up an audience that expects you know, respect for that character that passed away. So, you know, whether they'll do like a little memorial or something now that things are quieter or, you know, whatever they do, I I could see, you know, something. Maybe they will even try to find out if they could have access to his body in some way. I don't know. All that seems weird, but you know what I mean? Some some sort of observation of his passing will, will have to happen. And I hope 
that Will and Katie are able to withstand this. Most specifically, Will. Katie seems like she she is strong. She she does seem to be able to, you know, pull that mama bear front on. But for Will, who, you know, basically is like a it lives and dies by his principles of that I will keep my family protected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just think that this type of like breach in that in that promise is like I don't know how well you could come back, you know? That's a good, good insight. Yeah. It, 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 will he be too busy with whatever plot kind of things come up with next week to actually be able to, to deal with it? Or or will they just be allowed to just sit for a while? I think there'll be enough of a pause because they, because they, they cleared up that Gracie was okay right in this episode. Mm-hmm. I feel like there'll be enough of a pause that, that the wheels haven't turned far enough on the we know you're Will Bowman, but we are far enough away from the Gracie is okay that we'll have a moment to exhale. I think. I think. You know, everyone take showers, get food, change your clothes, have a moment. Now you got to go talk to Mr. Kynes because we know you're not Mr. Dalton, you know? Right. Yeah. That's what I think is going to happen. That's where, I, that's where I'm at. And you guys, we don't have any screeners for the next one. So no ideas on if that is happening or not. But that is my guess. Snyder, I think, is just going to continue to be the bulldog up there just tearing shit up. And, you know. I wonder how far along the L.A. law enforcement got, al- got into establishing Katie as an official terrorist, you know, because all of season two, they got to live in their suburban home like it was everything was okay. Very, very good question, because you're right. We didn't discuss like the fallout that could come from saying, you know, at least in the resistance camp, Vincent was saying stuff like she was a hero in the L.A. block. Which now to me denotes some notoriety. Right. And now I don't feel like we were shown that notoriety. In my opinion, like, I don't believe that I saw people say, oh, it's Katie Bowman, it's Katie Bowman, like that. Now, if that was the truth of it, then I apologize to you, the rest of you viewers. If you guys saw that and you saw people being in awe of Katie and I just missed it, I I just didn't, they didn't convey that thought to me until he used the word hero in the LA block. I was like, oh, whoa, I didn't, you know, that's not something we toss around, Vince. Like, what are you, what are you talking about here? Um, so yeah, you're right. Is the notoriety of Katie's um, participation and the resistance going to be a major problem? I don't know, because it all depends on who is running this Emerald City camp. Mm-hmm. And what this place what is all about. Are, yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, nobody has to be in trouble if they're not really occupation or resistance. Mm-hmm. If they're just somehow this in-between, maybe neither Will nor Katie is really in trouble, you know? I don't know. Yeah, that's, that is probably the least exciting option is that even <laughs> though that they know that it's Will Bowman, they don't know the significance of having Will Bowman, <laughs> right? Or maybe so. they do, but they don't. But they're like the Red Cross. Who like exists in war torn countries and they they deal with, um, you know, hurt people from both sides and they and they, they have no stake in it. You know, they they send that soldier back to their side and the soldier right next to him back to their side. And it's not there's no there's no war crimes that's going to happen in a Red Cross tent. Yeah. And so I don't know what the point is. Well, we will look forward to the next episode. Check us out on Mondays and Wednesdays on TV Talk, the So Many Shows internet radio show. Mondays, we talk about whatever we want. And Wednesday, we get together with the other 
bunch of super fans in the Colony family and talk about Colony right after the show. That means it's on late, but it's usually a pretty good chat. This past week, as we mentioned, we had Jacob Buster and Peter Jacobson call in and answer questions for us. So you'll never know who drops by unless you listen. Check out our other podcasts running right now, Handmaid's Tale and Westworld. All these shows are on right at the same time now. And so we've got three podcasts running on these three shows. So take a listen and let us know what you think. Thanks. Catch us on iTunes or your preferred podcast software. Our website, dailyreview.com, that's D-A-L-E-Y review.com, Facebook or Twitter, or wherever you find us, please leave us a comment and a rating to let us know what you think of the show. Thanks for listening, pot people. Thanks for listening to my mom and dad. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Just go home, folks.